Mr. DeMille, do you mind if I say a few words? Thank you. I just want to tell you all how happy I am to be back in the studio, making a picture again. You don't know how much I've missed all of you. And I promise you I'll never desert you again. Because after Salome, we'll make another picture and another picture. You see, this is my life. It always will be. There's nothing else. Just us. And the cameras. And those wonderful people out there in the dark. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. is the last question. Since episode 123 of This Old Marketing, I've started each episode by asking a question. I've asked, are you having fun? When was the last time you made a bad choice with no good options? Are you scared to death that you don't know what you're doing? Who do you trust? How long are you giving your strategy? How busy were you this year? Are you ready for the future? And of course, 80 other questions. And so one of you noticed all of this and asked me about the finale of This Old Marketing and said, so, what will be the last question? I had to laugh because they simultaneously and inadvertently stumbled upon the title of one of my favorite science fiction short stories of all time and gave me the idea for the perfect introduction to the last episode of this series. So, the last question is a short story written by Isaac Asimov in 1956. It starts in the year 2061, though it takes place over trillions of years, and tells the story of a supercomputer called the Multivac. And in 2061, two people are discussing entropy. The second law of thermodynamics, the idea that all energy is dying and that at some point every star, every planet, everything will die in the universe, leaving nothing but darkness. And the two decide to ask the supercomputer if entropy of the universe can be reversed. The computer responds by saying, there is insufficient data to answer this question. So then we jump forward in time, billions of years, and the supercomputer is now massively more sophisticated, and humans have colonized many, many planets. And two others decide to ask the multivac supercomputer this last question. Can entropy, the dying of the universe, be reversed? And the computer responds by saying, there is still insufficient data for a meaningful answer to this question. Then, billions of years later still, humankind, still made up of individual bodies, but health automated and joined together as a beautiful energy made up of the trillion, trillion, ageless bodies of humans throughout the universe that share a common energy and brain that freely merge with one another in harmony, is witness to the universe dying. Galaxies are dimming. The stars are long gone. Most of them fading into blackness. The universe is going dark. And humankind asks the now cosmic AC, as the supercomputer is called, it itself now something beyond a computer, a thing that transcends space and made up of something neither matter nor energy but of consciousness, its size something now that humankind can't even comprehend. And humankind asks the cosmic AC, can entropy be reversed? And the cosmic AC says, there is still yet insufficient data for a meaningful answer to this question. 
And so humankind instructs the cosmic AC, collect that additional data. And the cosmic AC says, but I have. I have been working on this last question for billions of years. The data is insufficient. Continue to collect the data, said humankind. I will, said the cosmic AC. And the universe died. One by one, stars, galaxies snuffed out. All was black. And as each one went black, one by one, humankind merged with the cosmic AC until only the cosmic AC existed. And trillions of years later, in the blackness, the darkness, the cosmic AC finally learned how to reverse the direction of entropy. But there was no one to tell. It didn't matter that the answers to the questions existed. There was no one to tell the answer to. And so, the consciousness of the cosmic AC that now encompassed the entire universe looked into the complete darkness and found a way to create an answer. The cosmic AC said, let there be light. And there was light. You see, I love that story so much because it is the celebration of everything that is good in all of us, where we are a common energy that is built to evolve and our humanity is what makes us an energy that can evolve. It is also the wonderful thought that the end of everything is a beginning of something new. And so it is with us here at the show. My last question to you is, what will you end so that you might begin? The wonderful philosopher and poet Khalil Gibran said, when you reach the end of what you should know, you will be at the beginning of what you should sense. And I believe that. See, when you sense opportunity, you're seeing the new dawn of a beginning. And beginnings are wonderful, aren't they? They make us feel new and alive, and these beginnings are good for us. They shake us of old habits and force us into new patterns where we learn, improve, and change our perspective. And so, in order to fit these new beginnings into our lives, other things must end. Not because they're not working, but precisely because they are working and have worked. They are successful. We mustn't only change directions when we fail or feel stuck in something. We must also be willing to change after we have achieved success with something as well. You might get up from the table after you've won three hands of poker in a row. You might sell your company when you've accomplished that revenue goal and you're still growing. You might change jobs as you're killing it in the one that you're already in. You might stop running every single day after you complete that marathon you've been training for. You might conclude a series that's still performing very well. You might stop your podcast when you've got more listeners than you've ever had. Why? It's not because you're tired of playing poker or scared you might not get for more for your company or because your job is a dead end or because you'll never run a marathon again or because that series might jump the shark or because you don't want to podcast anymore. No, it's none of those things. It's simply ending a wonderful thing because new and other wonderful things are dawning. And it's time to do those for a while. See, that's the thing. Life, our life, is always beginning. This week, today, this show, our relationships, the new product, the shopping spree, getting fired, quitting, even the death of a parent, it's all just starting something else. Your life is just a constant chance to start, to begin. There is no promise or guarantee of a middle or an end to any of it. It's just you making choices about when to finish one story and begin anew. And that's the theme of our show today, our last, our finale, the end, but not the end the beginning for us and for you as dr seuss is reported to have said don't be sad because it's over be happy because it happened and now it's time for us to well 
end this beginning and begin the end. Are you ready to begin? Well, then let's roll. For your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with this old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, content marketers. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to the finale episode of PR's This Old Marketing, recorded Monday, December 10th, 2017. And with me, as always, as he always has been and always will be, my co-host, my colleague, my friend, and I'll just leave it at that, my friend, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you? That's the best introduction. Just (laughs) friend and brother. We had a great ride. Uh, It's been wonderful hearing from all of our listeners and... Oh, it really has. And how mad they are at us. <laughs> yeah, right. How it's, bummed out. Yeah. Yeah, well, we just went through another week of, well, I guess since the last podcast, we've had four, five cities, I guess we've been Yeah, through. that's right. Yeah, that's five cities, yeah. And man, they're just not happy. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah. It's not good. I feel we've been, I've been apologizing profusely for it, but uh, it's okay. Yeah, and it is your fault. Let's just it be is very clear about this it whole thing. It is completely my fault. fault. Those of you that are just catching up, if you just started with, if you started with <laughs> episode 211, <laughs> you, exactly. you started at the wrong time. Can you and, imagine uh, somebody starts off on 211 and goes, hey, here's this new interesting podcast I might try out. I'll just jump in at you know, the last week, 211. This seems good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was short. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, it didn't, didn't quite work out. Not a, not a great not a great decision. <laughs> not so. a great show to come in on, no, for your first episode, for sure. Yeah, so, but uh, but it was fun. We had, did our master classes. We did. And we're, we're back with this finale episode. What's, I was thinking uh, for the, the iTunes title, what should be the title of this podcast? Is it? Is it the last episode? Is it the finale? Is it the last Godfather waltz. Part how Three? That? How about we? I mean, how about we give a little? We give a little shout out to the band, and we call it the Last Waltz. The Last Waltz. I have to write that down because I'm going to yeah. produce it later. All right, the Last Waltz. Yeah, there All you right. go. I get that's. What well, we'll, I'm sure we'll get caught up in the intellectual property of iTunes or something. We'll that somehow we'll run afoul of somebody's legal thing but that would be my that's my well it might as well go might as well go out with a bang i mean (laughs) right in a blaze of glory in a blaze of legal glory i mean we've already borrowed enough other you know stuff from movies and stuff like that might as well go all the way out right as we'll do yeah is there anything that we can like any we can start cursing up we can we can start cursing like sailors (laughs) here this is funny and i just looked this up so this is episode 211 right that's right okay do you know that it, the police code 211 in California refers to a oh, robbery? There you go. There it is. There it is. 
It's a robbery. Yeah. Yeah. We are. We're stealing something. We're I don't know what. I'm not sure what we, it we is. We're in the we're, process we're, of thieving. Yeah, we are. We're ripping somebody off somewhere. <laughs> that's. That's. Yeah. The, the first 210 episodes, we were in the process of, of theft. Thieving. And finally, we've consummated that in episode 211. So. Well, the good news is, is that we've already lost any listeners uh, to the show right about now. So we don't have to worry about it. That's right. Right. Show. And there, and by the way, there will be no news. I mean, you know, maybe they'll yeah, well, talk what's, about so something. Why don't you tell everyone what we're going to do for this show? So, yeah, here's what we're going to do. As we promised um, on the last regular episode, this is we took a bunch of questions from the crowd. And thank you every much, very much for everyone who submitted questions. We had quite a few, actually. We've picked about five of them that came in over the hashtag um, and through the email address. And we've picked five questions um, that we'll, you know, we'll treat like news stories, right? And so we'll just have a fun little discussion. I'm sure we'll, I'm sure the current events of the day will emerge during some of this. And, and then we'll shift into a next segment, which will be our questions for each other, which we have not shared with one another we these will be the very first time and um so making for either some great show uh, or some very dead air it's a <laughs> robbery it's a robbery yeah <laughs> basically <laughs> we have not shared our questions for each other not but uh three or four questions that we have prepared for each other to sort of round out the episode um and then we have a little something at the very very end that we'll just uh use to say ciao uh, arrivederci, uh, sayonara, all that. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's it. That's the format for today's show. That's, that sounds like a really good way to do it. And you know what? It doesn't matter anyways, because it's not, it doesn't No, It's not like but we're this is concerned about listenership or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, we can <laughs> really reviews. Yeah. Nobody cares. It's all, <laughs> yeah. it's all good. I mean, the people that it's are going to listen fun. to this, they're going to listen regardless of how bad it is. That's and, right. Uh, that's but right. But we're going to go out with a bang. We're going to do the, the Seinfeld. And go out. Well, hopefully a little better than the you know, hopefully a little better than we're not going to end up in jail. That's wow. the that's that is the spoiler alert, right? That we don't end up in jail at the end of this. I have to tell you, the, this is a new thing, though. I have to tell you because of the way we produce this. I listened to your opening. It's the first yeah. time ever I've listened to it before we've gone live. We've we've recorded the show. That's true. That is true because I finished it early, um, and because um, I had written it a little early and. And, um, and I, it, yeah. And so it's, it's, um, uh, you got to, you got to hear it a little early. So there you go. Yeah. It was you know, uh, new beginnings. Yeah. New beginnings. There it was like, are. why would you kill a podcast when our listenership is, is, is higher than it's ever been? Well, because Joe's an idiot <laughs> and that's, <laughs> and it's Joe all his sabbatical. fault. Yeah, it's funny because when people would come up to both of us and they would say, "Why are you killing the podcast?" You're just look at me and just shake your head like I've done, like I'm a dog and I did something wrong. Like go to your corner. You don't get any milk bones tonight. Anyways, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yeah. should we take some of these questions that we had from the crowd? Yeah, just they, to, were, just to, they were they were nice enough to started. put them together. I think that we should answer them as honestly as we can. Yes, absolutely. So. Throughout the show, obviously, we'll be touching on some of the running inside jokes here, um, some of the things that have been long-running memes within uh, within this old marketing, I'm sure, um, but probably the one that has lasted the longest. I don't think it's the oldest of all of the inside jokes, but certainly the one that has 
lasted the longest because of how wrong you really are here Jeez. is is the fact that Apple uh, might purchase Disney in some kind of acquisition. And a few of the questions, I've sort of rolled up a few of the questions um, that came in about this, um, basically saying, do you think it really is ever going to happen? And what if they just bought a smaller company like ESPN? What if they just bought part of Disney, like ESPN or something like that? So maybe since this is your flawed theory, I'll, I'll let you go first and, and, and answer this. I actually have inside information, Robert, that this is in the works. <laughs> this is happening. Yeah. I'm going to break it. Yeah. It's going to – Twitter is going to be a flutter. Uh, um, right. Are they going to buy it with Bitcoin? Is that what they're going to do? Well, that's the Winklevoss twins are going <laughs> yes. to buy Apple and Disney after they have their you know two million dollars or two billion dollars or whatever it is right now. No, yeah. so here here is my belief. I believe that sometime next year there is going to be talk of this happening. Not just ESPN, although I did like that idea that they might just buy a part of it, but no. Even though I know Disney's not too happy with ESPN right now for obvious reasons, um, this will start to happen maybe the end of 2018 where it will be talked about and it will be consummated sometime in 2019 where Apple will actually purchase Disney and it will finally happen. And I don't know. And I'm going to say I don't know what took them so long. But, you know, they're big companies. It's complex. These mergers and acquisitions of these type, they don't just happen overnight. So, you know, I'll probably have to be consulted in the decision. <laughs> as You're going to be as it on a beach somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I think that it will absolutely happen. And I I can't believe that all this time you've been, I know deep down you really do believe it's going to happen. And you've been putting up this front. And I think people are tired of it. I think you really need to you know, do something about that. Well, you know, you can you can you can just go get hoisted up by your own petards, um, as it were, and just <laughs> and get over yourself because it's not going to happen. Um, here's what is going to happen: um, Disney is going to make a purchase, um, and they will do so before the end of the year. And that purchase will, of course, be twentieth uh, century. Uh, but that's not Fox. a prediction. That's happening. They've been in talks, right? Well, well. But that's that's a prediction. That's it's going to happen. It's not yes, a prediction if it's happening. You can't <laughs> you can't you can't say like uh, Stranger Things is coming out with season two and it's already out. I mean, it's not like. But it's I not predict. out. It's not done yet. It's not. People are still saying that it might not happen. Um, but they're but pretty it's going far to. down the road. Okay. Yeah. Well, what do well, you what do you think of that deal? I think that's a great deal. I think that's the reunion of Marvel. It's the it's the it's 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 a it's it's it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense for uh, for Disney to make that acquisition. Do you see? Uh, because do you see? Do I see? Well, I was going to say, do you see a lot of like the Discovery Network and AMC? Do you see that those content media companies selling off to larger groups now? Do you think this starts a trend? Well, the the ones that remain independent, yes, I think that's I think that's true. Um, Discovery Communications, I mean, maybe um, you know, it's Discovery Communications has its own sort of um, thing going on, right? So they just buy they just acquired the they just themselves acquired scripts, um, 
and uh, and and got into the entertainment and the interactive space. So they've been growing, um, and we'll you know. But the ones that the the few cable networks, traditional cable networks, if you will, or content brands that 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 offer most of their programming over the classic television. I think yes, I think get acquired or or um, or become larger. Um, it, over the you know over the course of the next year, I mean that's just you know we're seeing the consolidation of media and and I think all of that. I mean we've talked about this in the workshops and master classes and 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 with clients all over the world, which is this consolidation of media is happening both on by the way both print television film you know across the spectrum of of, of content and that consolidation is all about really falling under. Either telecommunications companies, you know, um, to get, and, and, but all of it is around over the top. All of it is around access to audiences, which of course is what we've been preaching for a long time. But all of it means how do I get closer to the device and the network that reaches my audiences? Because that's where, you know, those that are depending and, you know, not to bring politics into it, but when net neutrality ultimately is sadly, you know, disemboweled, um, we are going to see that the telecommunications companies are going to wield unprecedented power when it comes to what it is we see in the packages that we have across different kinds of data services. So whether you're a subscriber of Verizon or Comcast or any of the other you know, handful of companies that have access to what it is you see and what it is you pay to see, you're going to see a lot of you know, real movement toward entertainment companies moving to be bigger and bigger so that they wield more power that, you know, that's the whole point. They have to wield a lot of power in order for, to be able to fend off if they don't have access to access to the audiences. In other words, it needs to be painful for, you know, Verizon or Comcast to say, well, we're not going to cover you or we're going to make it, you know, we're going to cover you less. And that's only going to be possible if these companies start to acquire each other and, and become a bigger, so, you know, a bigger, bigger piece of it. So let me ask you that because it's because you've talked many times on the show about net neutrality and how passionate you are about everything that's going on here. So, so I have two questions for you. First of all, um, is it a done deal? And I guess the second, the follow up is if it is a done deal and this is going to get horrible for consumers, you, you basically are making the case that you're going to see many, much more M&A happen because of, of getting bigger and wielding that power. Is that true? Yes, I think that is true. I mean, look, the, I, the, it's, yes, I think it's a done deal. I think, uh, you know, it, despite the overwhelming protests and you know resistance if you will and and you know and all of that i just think the the political winds right now are too much in the favor of the current administration for that to change um i think there's there's no incentive for them not to move you know move ahead and um and really take it away now whether you'll immediately start to see some of the worst case scenarios that you've you've heard about like you know all of a sudden you're Verizon calls you up and says, "Hey, if you want, you know, if you want to access Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, it's going to be X Y Z price. And if you want to access, you know, Netflix, um, Amazon, and others, it's going to be Y price." I, I don't think you're going to see that. By the way, 
there are plenty of examples in the world where that is the case. There's been some, you know, wonderful examples of this going around. Um, I think down in South America and, and in Mexico, where you know net, there is no net neutrality, and this is exactly how telecommunications companies price their their packages, right? So if you want package A, you're going to get access to social media and email, and then if you want package B or adding package B, you get access to certain websites and stuff like that. The 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 argument on consumer based media isn't the worry. You know the the worry. You know when when we when generally when you hear about this on mainstream media and you, and you're hearing it, it's like oh well, we're going to pay more for Netflix because they're going to pass that cost onto the consumer. Yeah, maybe they will, maybe they won't. the 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 worry for me is not there. The worry for me is that small websites like us that create content marketing oriented websites are the we're the you know we're what gets thrown off here that's what gets thrown off is your neighborhood blog or the company website or those kinds of things that are not part of any big entertainment or media network and quite frankly reach such a niche oriented audience that nobody cares that you can't get there or that the speed of your website is so slow that nobody wants to visit it etc cetera, etc cetera. that's the worry for me it's not the you know, if somebody says, hey, here's a faster package for Netflix, yeah, I'm bummed out about that as a consumer, but it doesn't bother me as a business person. As a business person, what we should all be infuriated at is that we're not going to be part of those packages. We are we are automatically going to be thrown into the slow lane. And that's the that's the really worrying thing. Now, whether that happens immediately or not, I don't know. I don't think it does. I think just given the media, political, and and general pitchfork and torch environment that we're in, I think most of those companies would be wise to wait some amount of time. But it will happen in varying degree. It will absolutely happen. So yeah, I think the I think the battle is over. I think we lost. I think um, I think it's going to happen, and 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 unfortunately, it's going to take another you know, another major change in the election cycle to, to reverse that. This is already a very depressing show. <laughs> so for, you're yeah, talking exactly. about you're this happening with net neutrality and you, exactly. your firm, your firm belief yeah. that, that Apple is not going to buy Disney, which infuriates <laughs> me even more. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, there is, did that. we cover that there one enough? That. Did we, did we have to anything else I with think, that question? Yeah. I want to make sure we do that justice. I don't think that, Disney is going to give any of those properties like ESPN no, away. Certainly separately. not ESPN. Yeah. Yeah, certainly not ESPN. I mean, ESPN's a problem child, but the reason it's a problem child is not because of the business model or whatever. ESPN's problem is its contract with the NBA and the NFL and the and the uh, baseball. It's it's it basically spend way too much on contracts, so it's just it's very contract heavy right now, well, especially NFL. Well, and the thing is, is when they let go of those contracts, there'll be a lot of companies, a la <clears throat> Facebook and other ones, that will be happy to pick those up. That's exactly right. That's exactly for right. more and at money. That point, by the way, for more, yeah, money. and and ESPN right sizes at that point and starts to become profitable again and will be just fine. Given if, you know if it can stem. The you know the 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 bleeding of of subscribers it and which it will I think I think they'll find a way to do that but but yeah it, it, like very much you know I continually use this quote that you said which I just think is such a such a prescient quote where you talked about when I was like all concerned about the New York Times and you said don't worry about the New York Times they're just right sizing they're becoming the the right size of company that they should be in today's world and I think that's such a smart 
outlook of it, right? It's it's not what it was, but it's what the right size is for today. And so the New York Times as the size of the company that it should be today is the that's right, right size. And I think that's the that's what you'll see with ESPN as well. That's right. That was the heyday of print media and print media became so profitable because it was the only game in town for a while. And then now if you look at New York Times numbers, they're they're fine. There's nothing yeah. wrong with them at all. They're they're kind of almost back to where you would say, "Hey, this is this is a good business." Uh, you might even look at their stock and invest in it. But there was a time when, you know, when when they had a, a, almost a monopoly on that kind of news coverage and you didn't have another choice. Well, shoot, they were getting premium sponsor packages and that's the way it is and they just got too big. Uh, and now with all the competition, now they're back to, well, this makes sense for the competitive set. Makes perfect That's sense right. to me. And ESPN, exactly I right. think you're right, would go through the same thing because they were the only game in town for a long time. Yeah, that's right. So, and now exactly. you can see like Shannon Sharp on Fox Sports, or <laughs> FS1 yelling. He's always that's, yelling. Why is he I, always yelling? Him and, oh my God, I'm, I'm him and, and, and Skip. Uh, Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless. Yeah, my God. They just yell. They I just... had to read that guy. I grew up with that guy as a kid in Dallas, reading that reading that nutcase. Did he and, Did he type in all caps? Yes, pretty much. I mean, his, <laughs> just, that's I it. Mean, it's just like we hated him in Dallas, and then he and then he became a national guy, and now he's and it's like we're so embarrassed that he's anyway. I won't get off on a rant on on on, on that dude. Can you imagine? Let's move though, on to our, you, Well, can you imagine the producer that walks up to them and say, "All right, guys, I don't know what you're talking about, but we're going to do a lot of yelling today because yeah. that that the ratings. It's all about the ratings. It'll be fantastic." Anyways, yeah, anyway. <laughs> I digress. Yeah. All right, what do we got next? <laughs> Second question. Yeah. All right, here we go. This one is one that we get asked all the time, um, and uh, uh, and came courtesy of the hashtag, which is, will advertising ultimately paid media advertising die, and or will it be replaced by content marketing? What do you think? No, no, <laughs> nothing ever dies. Yes, nothing. We we still have radio. Uh, we still have print media. We will have that for a long, long time. Um, but I, even to the the point we were just making, everything just seems to right size, right? I mean, social media comes out, it booms, and then it'll right size. And and even the things I'm hoping the things that we see with with Facebook and we've seen Twitter do that. Twitter has already done that. They've they've become they sort of settled into this is the size company that they're going to be. Consistent growth over time. That's fine. Um, so advertising, there are always, I think, are good reasons to advertise. You have a good, solid marketing mix, depending on what your overall goals are. I actually like the idea, and we've talked about it many times on this show and in master classes, that I'd like to see more organizations advertise their content so that they could build their audiences that way instead of just advertising for you know some kind of a product pitch or whatever. But as long as there's my pillow. There's going to be advertising. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, my God. I hate that ad so much. I, it's it's really hard to overestimate. Well, here's the thing. I hate but, that ad. You know, but here's the thing, because I always I have, you know, when we were on the road, you know that I have sometimes had problems sleeping when we're uh, on the road. And, and I just the first night in a hotel, I just can't get to sleep. And I wake up and I turn on the television like 330 in the morning. And there's always there's like 18 infomercials for my pillow. Yes. And here's the thing. And when I hear the deal, I'm first of all, everyone's so happy in that commercial. 
I'm like, well, I want to be that happy. I want to sleep like that too. It totally <laughs> right. sells me on it. But then when they give me the coupon code and say, if you if you call in the next eight minutes and use this coupon code, you can get two my pillows for one. I like, I'm like, where's the pen and paper? I'm like, I got to write this down. I'm going to forget it. I better go call right now. And then I'm like, it's 3.30. Are there going to be people there? Of course there are. They're right in the ad. Anyways, I digress. That's that's a lot of thinking you're that's doing a at lot 3 of in the thinking. morning. That's a lot. But that's... That's advertising, folks. That's how yeah. it. That's how it works, right there. Yeah. So, how, what? So, what do you think? How, what's I? I what's couldn't agree more. I think you know. Here's here's what I think about advertising. I actually think paid media is and and here's so here's a prediction for you. Mm. Um, I think paid media and advertising is going to go into a renaissance. Um, and I think it's going to, I, what I do think is going to, I don't know, die is the right word, but really fade from. Uh, from popularity is the idea of programmatic. Um, I think programmatic as a as a strategy is just proving to be, you know, fruitless as it were. Um, and I think, but paid media where careful placement, and this is where I think the Renaissance or something disruptive. I think there could be something disruptive in the advertising space in much the same way that search advertising disrupted the space in the early 2000s. I think there could be something, some combination of native plus human curated plus artificial intelligence. Something could really disrupt the entire space here where quality paid placement of content will begin to um, uh, really innovate the space. It, it's a space that needs to be innovated in the worst way. The banner ad should die, even if it's not going to die, it should die. And the, you know, as we've said so often, it's not the real estate, it's what's, it's what's built on the real estate that really is the, it, that really needs to be disrupted here. So throwing our money after crappy, you know, blinking banner ads will go away, I believe, and be replaced by something where we pay for placement on real estate of other publishers, something of value, whether that's interactive things, whether it's, you know, native advertising, content pieces, etc. But I think that's what advertising transforms into. And I think it's due for a renaissance based on, you know, I think it'll go lower before it gets higher. But I think one of the things that we talked about earlier this year is is we said – I can't even remember how many episodes it was ago now. We said something to the effect of we thought that this year, 2017, there would be something that happens toward the end of the year that sort of is the tipping point. And I think it's – I think we've – We've reached it. I think, you know, with everything we've seen from, you know, Forrester just came out with a new complete report that talked about the, you know, not the death of, but certainly the fundamental transformation of paid media. It talked about, you know, how, you know, Gartner has come out and said the same thing. We have said the same thing. I think you're seeing Madison Avenue finally realize this. I think we have finally reached a tipping point where we're going to see 2018 be maybe the end of the you know the not to put too much of a irony to the theme of the show the end of the beginning and the beginning of you know a new a, a new era in paid media that's what i think i think that print advertising specifically this is a shorter term this is not when we're getting into ai or anything like that but shorter term Print advertising is going to make a resurgence in 18 and 19 here, similar to what we've seen in vinyl. It's um, 
you have less properties that offer uh really quality advertising because so many of them have shuttered. And I think there's an opportunity to say, I want to reach these people. I want to do it in a, in a special way. And you're going to see more and more uh, print programs go that way, especially where you have a lot of dissatisfaction with programmatic and digital display, and they don't want to throw it all into Google and Facebook. And they're like, what are some other paid media opportunities uh, that we can uh, do something interesting? And I think that you'll see that happen in print. So that's, I think I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's um, uh, I think print is quickly becoming sort of I, I like that analogy very much. The the vinyl vinyl. Yeah. Yeah. It's we a, hit the it's bottom a, in vinyl. It's never going to go back the way it was. But you're going to you, you vinyl has right sized, if you will. <laughs> it found it's and it finds this place of a people that really go and get into the sound quality and and uh, and they want that touch and feel. Um it's, it's a special experience, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. exactly it. But yeah, so, and then, so did we answer that question? Advertising is not going away. Content marketing is not going to replace it. Uh, I think that those companies that uh, are truly innovative, that truly have a strategic way of thinking and, and looking at the approach of content marketing are going to be very successful with it. And there's still going to be many, many for the next five to 10 years that, don't do it right. Think about it as campaigns. Think about their product first before they focus on the needs of their audience. They focus on too many audiences at the same time. All that stuff. Right. It will yeah. that will continue to go on. We are still early days in this stuff, even though content marketing has been around for hundreds of years. It's hard to say that. It's hard to even yeah. think about that, but it's true. So. Well, here's a related question. Then this right. also comes in via the hashtag, which is, um, which again is related to really both of the questions that we just answered, but maybe the, maybe the um, you know the advertising one most most prominently, which is when will Madison Avenue start quote unquote getting or understanding the definition of content marketing? In other words, I guess when will Madison Avenue start using the term, and when will they start understanding its 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 concept? Would I have a definite take on this? What do you think? Well, I'm not going to answer the question. I don't think they have to. And I don't think it's necessary for right right now. The way that I look at budgetary spend for what Madison Avenue controls versus the content marketing budgetary space is Madison Avenue is the sun and content marketing is Pluto. It's not even a planet. <laughs> That's where we're at. So if you if you are going to yes. get the attention of Madison Avenue, you have to be bigger than Pluto. And we're a ways away from that right now. I just don't see any big jump for that to happen. And honestly, I don't I mean, I know you have a take and I want to hear your take, but I don't care whether Madison Avenue gets it <laughs> because I care about those people that are looking for a better way to communicate, that want to create amazing experiences for customers, change the business model of the organization, take marketing to a higher place in the organizational structure. Those people, we have lots of things to offer them. There is a new way for them to go. They're not relegated to you know who has the biggest budget. That I love. And Madison Avenue can do whatever the heck they want. So that's my take. Well, How think, about yours? I, no, I think, <laughs> <laughs> yours is not too nihilistic. Um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> thanks, Joe. As he goes off to the beach, he's like, "I don't care. I don't care anymore. I, I don't care anymore." Um, 
Look, I think it's incumbent upon us to continue to try. Um, and, and, you know, so as, as you and I have said a million times, we don't really care what you call it as long as you do it. Yeah. Um, and so I went, when pressed, I would say roughly the same thing, which is I don't really care if they ever get it as long as they don't get in our way of trying to do it. I will say this, however, um, the, there is, there's a difference between them doing it, um, and, uh, and, and, you know, and, and whether you call that branded content or just doing stunts, et cetera, et cetera, what I, the only thing that I object to put it that way is where it's being lumped into creating sort of long form advertising. And so the more that they do that, which I think is a completely flawed strategy. Ultimately. Like you're talking about like a Dollar Shave Club or an Old Spice. Well, no, not necessarily. But but yes, but it, what I'm talking about is 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 rolling that out and calling that content marketing and saying, let's build a let's build a publication called Dollar Shave Club and do funny, cute, long form videos, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But to be very clear, the Dollar Shave Club arguably is what gave them the valuation that it gave them where there's those long form advertising pieces that they, that they created, which were amazing, but they were that they were just that they were long form commercials that were, that were distributed over YouTube. That's not building an audience. It's yeah. not the same thing. So if we're actually going to do the thing that we call content marketing, what I want Madison Avenue to do is do it. Well, I want them to do it right. Um, I've, you know, you've heard me say the audience has heard me talk about, you know, I think the agencies of the world should be acquiring media companies because I think as a, you know, as an evolution of what we're doing strategically and, and the competition that's coming in from consulting firms, et cetera, et cetera, I think there's an opportunity there for big companies, small companies, medium-sized companies to become more integrated platforms that has media as a product or a profitable uh, you know, arm of what it does, a la our book, Killing Marketing. Um, so I think there's a huge opportunity there in terms of evolving the practice of marketing to building things of value, which would be media properties in the short term and, and, and you know, other deeper, more meaningful customer experiences in the long term. So I think advertising and marketing as we know it is evolving and content marketing is a piece of that whether that ultimately becomes the nomenclature we use or whether it's just a piece of the evolution of marketing as long as it's done well i'm i'm glad i'm glad whether you know whether we get the credit or not isn't 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 important so the the challenge i see now is that most of madison avenue still has its head in the sand and is still trying to create more and more and more and more and more advertising trying to dig their way out of a hole that's just becoming deeper and deeper i'm going to you know uh, yeah i mean what's, and what's that wonderful quote there's the wonderful quote the only difference between a rut and a grave is the depth and you know that's the that's that's what i worry about with madison avenue mostly well, he, here's the here's the thing about madison avenue if you i just was on a podcast interview and they were asking me about why don't publishing agencies or content marketing services and and publishers generally do well i mean there are some like meredith really really good uh, but they just you, bought time yeah they just bought time. yeah but if you look at most publishing agencies within a large media company they don't do well well why is that because it's always ancillary revenue 
It's never a core part of the mission of the organization to deliver these types of services to customers. It's like, give me revenue, give me profit, but get out of my way because I got to sell advertising. That's generally how it's always been. And that's why they've never been successful. That's the problem with Madison Avenue right now because they want to sell big, bold, creative programs and they don't want to do content marketing. It's harder. It's more difficult to do. It's not as exciting to them. So they inherently do not want to do it. That's the issue where you're going to have some of these startups, content marketing agencies, if you will, which really aren't a part of Madison Avenue. They can do a really good job because they understand how it works. They understand it takes time. They understand how to deliver consistent content. You take it to Madison Avenue. They want big, bold, creative. That means it's on a campaign. There's a time limit. And it ends up being advertising. Mm-hmm. So that's it. That's And it's it's hard to move that big ship. I mean, you got to go yeah. down to like Lexicon Boulevard. I mean, that's a tough move. <laughs> what does that even mean? No, you know what, what it that, means. What I don't have to explain mean? myself. <laughs> you know what it means. Oh my you God. have to go to. Oh, whatever. Next. <laughs> go to question five. I don't even know what that means. Um, <laughs> I'm talking about Madison Avenue in New York City. I know what you're talking yeah, about. So you go to Lexington, go to Park. <laughs> yes, I get you. Broadway. Yes. Yeah, you got the whole thing. That's yeah. right. You got to go to you know, a hot dog cart. To move a street. You, you got to get yourself down to Soho. <laughs> yeah, you can't move the street. It's easier to change the street sign. See, that's why. That's why they're just trying to make it look like content marketing. I see. Yeah, see. I see. That's how it is. All right, I'm going to go to our last question here from the crowd. Which is, um, and I thought it was a nice one to sort of to finish up on here, which is which podcasts should we listen to now that you're finishing this old marketing? Like where, where, sh- where should we go now? There were a lot, there were a lot of those questions, which were, Hey, where do we now spend? And you know, where are more chuckleheads that we can, we can spend our time with? Um, do you have any, do you have any off the top of your head that you listen to or that would recommend where our audience should go? Well, unfortunately there's nowhere else to go. I mean, it's just, <laughs> there's just, and the nihilism just, continues. The theme of nihilism continues. Yeah, there's just nothing yeah. you could do. No, there's a lot of really good ones out there. I mean, I, um, I listened to, I mean, you were just on Mitch Joel's podcast, Six Pixels. Great podcast. Yeah. He does a great, great podcast. I, yep. For a different twist. I really like what Jay Acunzo's doing with Unthinkable. Uh, his podcast, I listen to James Altucher. It's not a content marketing podcast, but I like that because I get a lot of really good story writing ideas from things that I don't necessarily know about. I've, a lot of the stuff that I've uh, listened to on Altucher's show ends up uh, ended up as some kind of e-newsletter post or whatever. I think for content creation, the Copy Blogger FM uh, podcasts are all good. They really talk about different forms of, of content creation from audio to to textual to video. Um, so those are, I mean, just in con- in the marketing realm, those are ones I would recommend. How about you? I would, so I would second all of those that you just mentioned. Um, and I would also add in, uh, exponent, um, which is the, uh, uh James Allworth and Ben Thompson, uh, podcast. I haven't, I haven't which, listened to that one. 
I listen to that one uh, almost uh, almost weekly. It's it's or not almost week. I listen to it weekly, almost every week. <laughs> how about that? Yeah. Um, it's great. It's wonderful. It's basically technology and how it's having. It's more of the cultural or bigger investment side of technology and the impact that it's having on the world, rather than sort of the marketing specific uh, side. Um, I like Entrepreneur on Fire, the John Lee Dumas. Um, uh, podcast. I think uh, HBR, the Harvard Business School's IdeaCast, is a really is a really good one. Um, and then um, the uh, Tim Ferriss, Tim Ferriss's uh, podcast is a really is a really good one. Um, I find for sort of you know that uh, what was the name of the book? I'm blanking on the name of the book. The oh, four hour work week. No, 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 no. Oh, big, Tools big of Titans. Tools of Titans. Oh, yeah. For those kinds of for those kinds of. Um, tips and interviews and those sorts of things it's a it's it's a it's a good one it's a good one for that and then um if you're on the small business side uh duct tape marketing john jance's show um which is a good one it's a good that's a good one There's too. a lot of really good ones i mean we've got uh, all i mean you've you've got tom webster and mark schaefer and and michael yeah. stelzner and i mean there's a whole list yeah, of people those, that do uh, some really really good podcasts so there's not um maybe they don't they're not as goofy and untrustworthy as we are, but you know, you, know, you do the best you can with with, uh, with other, that exactly, with other that podcasts exactly that are right. going on. I don't know if iTunes is going to close its doors now that this old marketing is not producing. That's where they may be. they may actually go. You know what? It's just not it, worth it anymore. It's, it's to, not. It's to it. really. That's it. Continue we, we podcasting. Only, yeah. What happened? There's going to be a. You, you, it's going to be a disturbance in the force, if you will, <laughs> on iTunes as we we don't publish anymore. <laughs> there you yeah, go. There's a title of your episode: The Alderon of Podcast. Yeah. yeah Steve, what it is. Steve Jobs came came back from the grave and was wondering where this old marketing was on iTunes. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, really not, oh, that's right. really not good at all. Let's move on to our our last segment um, of the show, which is the questions that we have. Have for each other. So Joe and I, just as a reminder, we came up with three questions each, um, and we did not share them with each other. So you, we are hearing them for the first time as you hear them. Um, and so we'll answer these to the best of our ability. And when this is an experiment, we have no idea how this is going to go. So do you want to go first or shall I go first? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to go first. Uh, All right. We'll do, do however order you want to, because you control the show flow as, as you I always see. have. Okay. Um, all right. So this is kind of a, a one that I've been curious about. So besides coming to CMI and working with Content Marketing Institute, what has been, in your opinion, your uh, best professional decision that you've made in your life and why? Ah, and you assume that CMI was one of one of them. Is that well, I already know that was the best one. I already know. I I don't even see. I don't want you to feel you know like you have to. Yes, it's all good. That was the best, this most important decision you ever made. With that one, when lightning struck in Chicago, when you and I met for the first time, that was amazing. So besides that happening. What yeah. was the thing that happened in your career? Because you've, I mean, you've done so many things. I mean, the, the, you were working at US Web, the dawn yeah. of the internet, going through some exciting times, and you worked in a comedy club. You I mean you did all kinds of different things. What really helped you sort of see things in a different light to to get you to where you are now as the professor of content marketing? <laughs> oh dear, um, I, I would point to two things. Um, one is a little more metaphysical than the other. So the, so the one that naturally comes to mind 
is when I decided to uh, when I decided to join my friends at a you know I sort of gave up the whole idea of becoming a corporate sort of climbing the corporate ladder as it were um, and said I was going to go join a startup um, when I joined the you know when I joined the band at Crown Peak um, and and began that journey which by the way led me to you so so there's so there's there's that to thank for it as well which is kind of a you know ass backward way of saying how I got to you, um, which was absolutely the best decision, I've, business decision I've ever made in my life. Um, but that business decision to get out of the sort of big corporate and ad agency world and go back to, you know, working with friends, working with something I could be passionate about and, and love doing was, uh, you know, that was uh, 2002 that I made that decision. And, and, and that's what it was. The second one that I'll mention, um, only because I think it's really important was when I was really young, actually, I, when, uh, when Elizabeth and I, we, when we were, we, we were living here in Los Angeles and we decided to move, um, to, uh, to Washington DC and we spent three years in Washington DC and it was the move and it's going to sound weird, but, but, but it was basically speaking of changes and, and, and sort of, you know, the, the, the whole idea of beginnings, middles and ends and nothing, you know, what, what is really the, what is really the part of your life that you measure? It was this decision that I made when we moved to Washington DC that I would get focused about my business goals so up until that point, I was really focused on sort of life goals, right? So I was, you know, I had like, I, you know, I want to play music for, you know, three hours a day and I want to have time for golf is when I actually played golf. And I want to, you know, and I had these sort of ways that I would carve up the time of my life. I had basically the form of what I wanted to, how I wanted to spend my time. The form was really much important than the function. Um, it was, you know, I want to do this and I want to do that and I want to have this as my day and all those sorts of things. And after it was after I met with one of my um, spiritual mentors, actually, who said I was thinking about it in the wrong way, which was rather I should be thinking about it from the function first and not the form, which was talk about, you know, you say you want to write, you know, you'll have time for writing, you know, you have this idea that writing a screenplay or writing a novel is the way to do that. Instead, just think about it as, are you happy writing? Are you happy doing music? Are you happy, you know, performing? And ultimately what it ended up with is I got, I, I, I sort of repivoted all my ideas and goals around that idea. And it was the best decision, best move I ever made because what I started to find, and it didn't really even become conscious until I was working at, you know, sort of my last days at Crown Peak after I'd met you and I was making the transition over that I had actually achieved all of those things. My job, my career was writing, performing, doing music, getting in multimedia, doing fun, interesting things. It was just for a very different form than I ever thought. So it's always my biggest piece of advice to young people as they're coming out of university and is don't get caught up in the form. Think about the function of what you want to do every day in your dreams. And that's, that's ultimately what I think will lead you to more happiness. Maybe not more success, but certainly more happiness. That is an acceptable answer. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Bob, what I does he win? Glad. 
<laughs> He's right. You are correct, sir. That is the right answer. <laughs> it was a little longer than it. I didn't have a little bit less on my card here, but it'll be acceptable. Yeah, right. You didn't phrase Bunny it. Bunny the Beetle Barnes. <laughs> Bunny the Beetle Barnes, what does he say? He says spirituality, sir, and right he is. <laughs> all right. Okay, I have a question for you. All right, all right. My question for you is. So I don't know what you're going to do next. So everybody's coming up to me and going, what's he going to do next? What's his next move? What's his next move? And I'm like, I don't know. Ask him. I don't think he knows. And I don't. I think that's true. I think when you say you really don't know, I think you're being absolutely honest. So I think for those of you who are out there wondering what Joe's next move is, I don't even think Joe knows. I think that's – so I'll confirm that as my first part of my question. The two-part question is – but do you have any current feelings? What's your gut instinct about whether you're going to, in the future, are you going to stay in marketing and business or content or publishing companies or even the business space? Or do you think you may find yourself going into something completely, completely different? Do you have any sense for that at all? That was a very long two-part question. Can you repeat <laughs> the first part? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Um, all right, so just to give you a little bit of backstory, the middle of 2017, I was struggling with the fact of what would I do in content marketing in 2018, and and I was really struggling with what to do because I knew I wanted a big change to happen in 2018, and finally I came to the decision where, wow, there I'm I'm at a I'm at a po- point in my life that most people don't get to. I have the opportunity on January 1st to wake up and not have to do something. And I've been, right. I mean, ever since I had a job, since I went to school, I had homework, I had to go to work, I had to make money, I had to do something. January 1st will be the first time that I, in 30 years, let's say, that I won't have that responsibility. And as I was thinking about, well, what should I do? Even with this decision about what should we do with the podcast and should I continue to speak at certain events and take gigs and whatever, I just said, you know what? I should, I should try this grand experiment that most people don't get the opportunity. I mean, it's probably less than uh, 1% of 1% that get the opportunity to just say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a detox and I'm going to just stop for a second and look around. So that's where I was, you know, whether you, you go on that. I always think, of, you know, I don't know why I'm thinking about Joe versus the volcano while I, while I tell you this story. But you're on this, I'm on this journey, I'm going on this journey, and I want to do it the right way. I honestly do not know if I am doing it the right way, but it feels that if on January 1st I just do the complete no internet detox, 30 days, no social media, no email, and just get settled. And then in February, as, as you know, I'm taking a couple special trips, one with my father, and um, and again, not, not having to do anything. And the biggest struggle for me personally is not coming up with something else to do. It is honestly a real struggle for me. 
and you know me, you've been around, we've been friends for a long, long time. I got a million ideas. I mean, even on our trip, you know, you and I have been talking about all different kinds of ideas, but it's, and I'm trying not to, I'm trying to just say, just give your brain a break in January. You have the opportunity to spend some really good quality time with your family. I've got two boys, 14 and 16, where I have no more excuses. I'm not on the road anymore. I don't have podcasts that I have to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning or be out at midnight when I'm on some interview. I don't have to do any of those things anymore. And I can just be. I don't know if I can just be, but I would like to certainly give it a shot. So that's what I'm going, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it my, my best. And when, I don't know what episode it was, um, maybe what, like maybe 10 or 15 episodes ago, Robert, where we talked about the about.com president. Yeah, that's right. And I read that article, I actually read the article, but it was a podcast. And he was talking about when he went from job to job, one job to another job, and he took six months. I don't know if I'm taking six months. I'm promising myself three months for sure. But he said he took six months off and on his quest to find boredom. And that just so intrigued me. And he said that he got his goals right. He figured out what he wanted to do for the rest of his life. And it was the best experience he ever had. And it sounded seductive to me. And I was like, man, I really want to lean into that. So I don't know if I answered the second part of your question. I think you did. But, no, but I think that's, you did. That's kind of where that's kind of where my head's at. So starting Jan 1, I'm going to really give it three full months with, and if I come up with a business idea, I have a, a journal that I write it down and I forget it. I'm like, okay, here it is. I'm not going to do anything else with it. I'm just going to write it down and leave it there and get it out of my head and and move on and, and get up and spend time with the family and be and maybe think about other people more than, than Joe's world of content marketing, however I could do that. try It's very hard to get out of my own way sometimes. So if I can do that, then I'll be successful and, and hopefully be a better man on the other side. I think that answers the question perfectly. I mean, I think the answer is no. You don't know, and that's and that's the whole point: is that your your not knowing is the is the decision you're making. I make you're making the decision to not know. You know what's funny about that? And you've you've been with me as people have asked me, and you've asked me, and I yeah. and it's nobody likes that answer. No, I know it's a very. They it's hate. A very, they're like, yeah, come it's on, you're doing. Answer, yeah. It's like you got something. You're launching another business. What are you doing? And I'm like, no, I'm not. It's like, oh, well, you said you were going to do some writing. What's that about? I said, yeah, I would like to. I think part of that plan might include writing, but right now I don't have any ideas or inspiration to write anything. So, sonnets. I think yeah, you should write exactly. sonnets. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to basically. <laughs> I'm going to bring the haiku back. Yeah. Like was it Justin, ever gone? Was well, that, is the haiku gone? Justin Timberlake was bringing sexy back. I'm You're bringing bring haiku the back. haiku back. I think that's and good. it's going to be a whole new world. Haiku so. haikuback.com. You heard it here first. <laughs> You're gonna. I'm gonna have you record the song for me. <laughs> All, All right. right. What do you got? Okay. What do you got? Um, I like this one. I thought that you you mentioned a little bit, but I'd like you to get into more detail on this specifically to content marketing. You, what is your best advice about somebody who wants to get started in the content marketing industry? Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, this is 
I think the answer to that question is go find, go either go learn or go understand the strategy behind it. And let me, let me explain what I mean by that. Cause I did, I don't, I'm not articulating that very well. What I really mean here is, is that don't look at your career or your journey through a career or as an entrepreneur as a, as a channel manager of words and content. You have to think of yourself um, as a business strategist creating a business model either in your business or as part of the business you're hired within. And if you focus there, if you really understand the art and the science of the strategy of content, And that means all of it, right? That means telling great stories. It means how does content flow in the organization? It means what does it mean to the business from a, from a goal perspective? One of the things, just as a side note, one of the things that, that is, I think, a, a real trap that, that content practice, practitioners can fall into today is the fact that they acquiesce the business goal because they're not responsible for it. In other words, they, they're responsible for clicks and visitors and conversions of form fills and, and or, you know, whatever, you know, email newsletter subscribers, et cetera. But they're not either responsible for nor do they go claim responsibility for what do those things mean to the business. And so many of them today, so many of us today are challenged with what is it that we really do that impacts our business, like, you know, that truly impacts it. And if you understand that, if you know where your impact is, you will soar high and soar far. And it will not matter that you call it content marketing because, quite frankly, you may or may not be the most strategic person in your business. So those that are starting out, I just I want you to understand the history. I want you to understand the strategy behind it. I want you to understand the art of storytelling, the ability, and 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 don't worry about things like which button am I pushing in WordPress and which you know keyword density should I be following and how do I actually get backlinks for this different thing and what all of that stuff can be had or found or hired or delegated and find yourself in the leadership position of leading a business model either in your entrepreneurial business or your or or the company you work for and you'll be fine you'll be great. Of course, very good answer. The one area I had, um, I did a speech at a university to a bunch of college students, and I talked a little bit about it, and then I had somebody come up, up to me after class and really get into this question, like really struggling with it, wanted to get into the industry. And I simply said, go build an audience. I don't care in anything. Go right. Go learn how to build a loyal and trusted audience, create um, fantastic experiences through whatever content and storytelling you create. And if and my belief is this, because there's so few people that have done this, if you can do this effectively around photography or butterfly catching or whatever you do, and you go in and you're looking for a job in content marketing and you say, I built an audience and I've done this and this is how I've done it. And here's my audience development strategy and here's my content creation strategy, my editorial calendar and all that stuff. You've done all the pieces parts, maybe not all 
as strategic as you'd like, but you've figured it all out, there's nobody that's not going to hire you. That's you right. Absolutely well, pave your way to whatever job you want. And a great you just said something that's really important that's really that that's that's really critical here, which is recognize that content marketing is not an industry. It, it's it, whatever industry you're in, whatever expertise you want to build, build that expertise. Yep. Now, maybe it's in content marketing, but there are there are few people that, you know, content marketing is a small space, is a very small space. Trust me, I'm in there. I can tell you <laughs> it's a small space. I'm in a go box. Build, yeah, go, like build, in a box, yeah. go build your expertise in your audience and build that expertise. It, it, it would it, it's it's the equivalent of saying, you know the the product marketing industry there's no such thing as the product marketing industry right there there is product marketing is a skill and a talent and a methodology you bring to whatever it is you do so go find whatever it is you do you're passionate about where you want to build an audience and take the approach the methodology of content marketing into that and make it your own that's the that's the way to get started and that's the you know that's the more complex way of saying something that you just said very simply, which is just go build an audience, go build an audience for you. And you'll, 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 you'll acquire the master skills you need to do it for someone else. It, you know, it's funny. It's, it's a, when I say that, it's so unsatisfying to them know. as an answer. Cause they're like, I want to meet the, meet the person or do the one thing. And, but man, it is, a, is it the best way to go? Because when I was talking to this gentleman, I said, there's two things that are going to happen. You're going to understand this approach so well that you'll be able to write your ticket for any job that you want, or you're going to create an audience that's so valuable, you can monetize it itself, and, and you've created the business. That's right. There's a no-lose exactly right. scenario. It just takes time. That's the problem. And people don't want to hear that. They want the quick fix. And, you know what they uh, should do? You know what they should do, Joe? They should hustle. <laughs> you know what? They, no, it's better than that. They should they hashtag to, hustle. They need to growth hack it. Yes, they need to growth hack the hustle. They need growth to hustle. hack the hustle. That's you know, what, that's you know what, what the you biggest problem is, is that um, there's 24 hours in a day and they're not working 25. If they right. work 25 hours a day, that's right. they would make it. Hashtag growth hack the hustle. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm going to own that hashtag now. Growth hack the hustle. That's what I'm going to do. We're going to growth hack the hustle. Hashtag. I love that. The strategy's not working. If we just did a little more hustling, yeah. if That's we just right. hustled, it would make All right. sense. Okay, what you got? I, I got my last question for you. Okay. If you could go back in time and give your 2010 or 2009, whatever is the right year, some advice that the 2017, 2018... Joe Polizzi knows today. What advice would you give yourself? Oh my God, that's so easy. I would, oh, I'd buy Bitcoin. <laughs> I was hoping for something a little I more would philosophical. Absol- Are you kidding me? A hundred dollars in 2010 of Bitcoin is worth sixteen. Fair enough. Million that's, maybe that right was now. too much of a softball okay. question. Okay. So, so basically, you're talking other about than from buying a, Bitcoin. From a which what would standpoint. you? Yeah. All right. So you're saying I'm going to go back to 2009, 2010. Yes. Um. Well, you got to remember that. Well, you know this, but two thousand nine is when I almost quit. I know that was, that's yeah. that's my point. That's that's that's, so, that's what I that's where I'm going for. Yeah, it, for those right? yeah. So for for those of you, here's what I w- I'm going to change your question. I would have okay. gone back to two thousand seven. Okay. Because when I started the business, 
and launched what you know became the eHarmony for content marketing. I thought yeah. the idea, the product was amazing. Of course I did. Every entrepreneur thinks that oh my product, God. I remember I remember you pitching amazing. me this idea. I remember yeah. you pitching me the you're idea. Like, the you're like you're like you're like you're a cool dude, man, but what? <laughs> the um, the a, you kept doing that too. It's the, it's the eHarmony of publishing. E-harmony, it's going to match e-harmony the publishers. For content marketing. I know it was it was crazy. <laughs> and I and and I I fell in love with the idea of that product. And if I if I would go back now, I would say fall in love with your audience. Don't fall in love with your product. Almost all entrepreneurs and companies continue to we we change our products and services. If we just focus on the audience and the audience needs and you do what, you know, what we basically ended up doing at Content Marketing Institute is just building that that audience and listen to that audience. They'll, the audience will tell you what they will ultimately buy. I mean, Amazon.com has got to be the best example in the world of that happening, of him not focusing on selling books online. Yeah, He had a bigger vision for that. And he, right. he, and he got so much information about how people were buying and what they wanted to buy and the insights around that that he created the and I think is the most dominant company in the world right now of Amazon. And on a smaller scale, you know, I'm just trying to survive. I had two small kids. My wife stayed at home at the time. I'd always been talking about, oh, I want to go start a business. And I had this idea and finally, great, I'm going to do that and spent two and a half years trying to build out this idea that had failed financials from the start. And it was just, it was lucky we came out and Content Marketing Institute even exists today. Mm. And the only, the only reason it does is that I did not, I was not going to fail. Like ultimate, I mean, lots of failures along the way, but I was going to make this work and I hate, I mean, I, every time, I mean, I got to this point in 2009 when the writing was on the wall and the eHarmony model was not going to work. Um, I, you know, I, I felt so sorry for myself and just saw everyone. And it was just about everyone that said I was crazy for leaving a six figure plus job executive position at a publishing company with great benefits to launch the eHarmony for content marketing. <laughs> and uh, and I and it's just whether it's patience or grit or whatever the case is. Um, so got through that, figured out okay. We are building an audience. We have a little bit of an audience. What do they want? And ended up saying, oh, they wanted consulting. They wanted training. They wanted advisory. They wanted networking around other people going through the same challenges. And that's Content Marketing Institute, Content Marketing World, Chief Content Officer. All those brands were built out of just simply listening to the audience and not focusing on, here's a great product you can buy and interrupting my way to get there uh, for that model. So anyways, long story short, I would go back and say, first of all, don't 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 fall in love with your product. What is what's who's the audience you're targeting? How, what's the specific audience? What's the message that you want to you know persuade them about? What what do you want? What what information do you want to get to them that's going to change their life in a positive way? Uh, and focus on that. And once you get to know those people so well, then you can launch some products and services that would have saved probably 18 to 24 months of misery <laughs> it, and, and almost just 
you know, and I was looking for a job. The end of 2009, I was looking for a job. Yeah. Because I'm like, this is not going to work. Thank God you didn't find one. Oh, God. It's just, Thank I, God for I, me you didn't find one. Well, that all. That time was just a, that was a tough time. I remember. I remember you and I were talking on the phone. It was, I, I remember those days. And you, well, you needed to say, dude, the eHarmony thing, it's got to go. Yeah. <laughs> let me tell, let me tell you, kid. Let me tell you, let kid. Me tell you kid. It's got to go. Uh, <laughs> show, welcome to show right. business, kid. I have, welcome to show business. I have one, I have one last question, but I, all right. for you, okay. and I'm going to combine, there's two questions, but they're both relevant to each other and I'm going right. to combine it. Yeah. But I, I want you to respond with your Southern Houston accent. All right. That's what I'm, that's my request. <laughs> oh my that's what I would like you to do. Oh so it's a God. very, it's not a serious uh, question. So the question is, there's two part questions. It's all, it's, all about, right, Dan. Fo- it's about football. What do you got? That one, Dan. Will the Cowboys make the playoffs is the first one, and what will the Cleveland Browns record be next year? Well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to fix and tell you something, all right? So, uh, because this, you know, when I get into this accent, this is after I have probably, you know, I don't know, four or five tequilas. So, it's, it's, you've heard me. You've heard, you've heard me get into this. I've heard the real. I've heard the real. You've heard the real. Well, you know, so, I, no, I, I, as much as it pains me in my heart to say that this is this is the way it is, I do not believe the Cowboys are going to make the make the playoffs this year. I do not believe they will. I believe they are going to lose at least one more game, which is going to put them out of wild card contention, and that will be and that will be all, as they say, of that. Um, the Browns' record next year will be something like six and ten. I'm going to guess so, six and ten. What are you smoking? I, if you, we you haven't had be... six. We haven't had six wins in three years. <laughs> I think you're going to have a hell of a year next year, son. I think it's going to be great. I think you're going to have. I think you're going <laughs> to find yourself a new. Be great. I think it's going to be great. I think you're going to find yourself a new coach. I think that. Uh, <laughs> I think that receiver kid who just came back from smoking the weed. I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be awesome. I think you're going to find lots of success with this new general manager. I think you're going to be great. Oh God! Thank you for indulging me. You're welcome. That. And and ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, when he when he is does have like four or five tequilas, it's the greatest <laughs> accent ever, and the content is even better. Man, it really yeah. it really comes out. Well, that was All fun. Right. That was good. Yeah. Well, I have one more for you. Oh, I you do? Oh, yeah, I, I do. Didn't I have know. the I last. Thought, no, I, I have the last one. No, they're three and three. I was, okay. I was, I counted, Mister. I, I, I counted wrong. See, I counted. I can't count. I'm from Texas. I can't count. Um, <laughs> all right. So here's the last one for you. All right. Other than people, so this is sort of borrowing from your rule of the of the way you asked me the first question. So other than the people, which I know the answer to that. Other than the people of Content Marketing Institute. What will be the part of your current job that you're going to miss the most? What I'm looking for here is what function of your job are you going to miss the most? The best is this easy one, too. The best part of my job yeah. is wherever I go, anywhere in the world. And sometimes it happens in email, but it's not the same as when you get it face-to-face. And somebody comes up to you and said you've changed their life. Thank you. I know. Oh, my God. That's, that's it. It's it. Yeah. And you, you, we saw that. In the masterclass tour, yeah. How many people, uh, and then in a content marketing world, and they say things like, "I wouldn't have my job if it wasn't for you." 
um, I, I'd be lost. I mean, I've, we've had things like people were suicidal and they didn't know where to go. And, the, and the, this thing called content. And you don't think about it. This is folks, this is content marketing. Right. This is like, this is not, this is not life or death, stuff, but it affects when people find their passion and they share it with you, man, that is, that is special. That is special. So that's, that's the thing that I will miss. And, uh, I mean, I, I, when I've had the opportunity to travel to a lot of places around the world and, uh, and I'll never, that stuff never gets old anywhere I'm at in the world. I, I love, I love to hear people tell them, tell me that, that whatever stupid thing that you and I have done, uh, they, <laughs> and there have been a lot of, there stupid have been things. a lot of them that there's been, uh, that, that we've done something special for them and we never even met them until that time. So that was, that's, that's awesome. Short, that's my short answer, and that's the correct. Besides the people. Nice. That would be the answer. To that. Nice. Well, well, what do you think, mister? I mean, normally at this part of the show we say, well, what are you going to do next week? But really, the answer to that is you're not going to do much. <laughs> well, the so. one thing that I do will say, and, and you and I, we've, we've sort of said our, our goodbyes on the podcast already, but yeah, I mean, it, we've, we've become really good friends. And not we were friends before, yeah. but I think from talking every week, I, we, we've just become really good friends. And, you know, I do consider you my brother and yeah. just having to go through this journey with you has been, and you, and by the way, you being so understanding about all this as well. Because I, I I know this hasn't you know sort of put you in a tough place, and um, so I thank you for for letting me off easy with that one as well. But it's just been a it's been a it's been a joy uh, being able to do it. And here's the thing: even if <laughs> I'm glad people were listening, don't get me wrong. I'm glad we had sponsors; those are very very good things. But you and I just as easily could have got on the phone every week and talked about this stuff. And it it was wouldn't a good, have mattered. Yeah. It was that you know, and right back at you because it's it's been you know as the as the guy and as the guy in the love actually says, it's been an honor, sir. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's been fantastic, wonderful, and yes, a a delightful excuse to speak with you every week. But but um, but other than that, it's been uh, it has been an honor. It's been a pleasure. It's been a joy. Um, and yeah, regardless, I mean, the audience made it great, but regardless of that, it's, uh, it, it's been, it's been one of the true, you know, adventures of, of my life. I'm not letting you off easy. This is, this is a, this is an extraordinarily hard, but at the same time, extraordinarily easy thing to do because it's just, all it is, is closing one chapter and opening another. Well, thank you, sir. And on that note, do you want to send us off? On that note, we have one other thing for you folks, and that is this. Back in 2016, Seth Godin wrote a post called Transitions. In it, he says, Coming and going matter far more than what happens in the middle. Opening things, closing them, tearing off the bandage, losing something, meeting someone new, getting on the airplane, getting off of it, being greeted, elections, ending a feud. We mistakenly spend most of our time thinking about, working on, and measuring the in-between parts, imagining that this is the meat of it, 
the important work. In fact, humans remember the transitions because it's moments of change and possibility and trepidation that light us up. I've had the immense pleasure of being part of over 200 productions of This Old Marketing with my friend and brother, Robert Rose. Each one of those episodes provided some learning for me and hopefully for you. But of all those episodes, I'll remember the decision to launch and produce the first episode and the one you just listened to, our last episode, the most. These two moments will always stick out as special in my mind. So, is Seth right? Is it the beginnings and endings that matter? To grow and ultimately to reach the goals we set, we need to make big decisions. I hear and see this every day with the listeners of this podcast. We need to fire an agency or a content creator or hire an agency or a content creator. Sometimes we need to kill off one program in order for another one to flourish. Sometimes we need to take a stand for what we believe in. And sometimes we have to walk away. Staying in the middle, like stasis, is always the easiest course. It's also the most dangerous. In my experience, that's where most of the universe lives, in the middle. Safe and without risk, but also without growth. The short-term pain of the decision usually ends up being worth it because of that amazing possibility of making something truly great. Is ending this podcast a good decision at this time, in this place? I think so, but we could be wrong. As Amelia Earhart so famously said, the most difficult thing is the decision to act. Robert and I are acting by closing this chapter called This Old Marketing. Frank Herbert says, There is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the story. With your help, Robert and I have told our story. But this is not the end. Now it's your turn to turn the page. And hopefully, take a little bit of this podcast with you. Thank you for being part of this amazing journey with us. And now, it's your story to continue to tell. Tell it well. Somehow I know we'll meet again. Not sure quite where, and I don't know just when. You're in my heart, so until then, it's time for saying goodbye. Somehow I know. We'll meet again Not sure quite where And I don't know just when You're in my heart So until then Wanna smile Wanna cry Saying goodbye It's time for saying
You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.